Brian Smith here, and welcome to the Dream Path Podcast, where I try to get inside the heads of talented creatives from all over the world. My goal is to demystify and humanize the creative process and make it accessible to everyone. Now let's jump in. Brother Jason, welcome back to the Duocast, my friend. Well, as usual, I'm happy to be here, Brian. We're here to talk about the Michael Price interview and chat about some other topics. What'd you think of that interview? I thought it was a really good interview. You know, the thing I really enjoyed about the Michael Price interview was just how laid back and funny Michael is. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something about him that you can tell there's this sort of edgy seriousness, but at the same time, there's this element of humor that's kind of on the back burner. It's waiting to burst out and it fits perfectly (laughs) with a show like The Simpsons and like F is for Family where he's working with Bill Burr, but he has this attitude about working in the business where you kind of have to go with the flow and learn how to work collaboratively with everyone and uh, has the years of experience under his belt. He's found his place in the business of comedy writing. And it sounds to me that he has made some really good friendships and relationships along the way that I think is important for keeping him working. For me, the thing that stood out was his humility. Right. And just how humble this guy is. Mm -hmm. He has written for The Simpsons and executive produced for them for two decades. And talk about chops and experience and gravitas. Mm -hmm. He is the real deal in entertainment in Hollywood. And yet you talk to him and it's like you're talking to someone that you went to high school with and he's uh, just an everyday average guy off the street. That's how he presents. He doesn't have any pretense whatsoever and uh, no ego. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk to a guest like that, it's really nice to have the ego not be an impediment to really hearing their story and learning from what they have to say about the industry, about writing about animation, serialized animation series like F is for Family and the co-creation of that series with Bill Burr, Mm -hmm. but also, you know, his work on The Simpsons and talking about breaking story and how is it that they put together a script for The Simpsons. Right. That's pretty rare to see in a podcast format. And so thank you, Michael Price, for sharing your story with us. That was incredible. I mean, yeah, just hearing how he sort of worked in the writer's room how they did their thing, the process. It's a pretty cool process. And it sounds like, you know, working in that particular realm for that long, it just becomes kind of this natural thing happening with all these other writers and kind of this competition. There's like this competitive aspect to it where, as he said in in uh, part of the interview where, uh, you know, where he tells a joke and it might get shot down by the showrunner, but you don't get, you don't get pissed off about it. You know, you don't become an asshole and like fight about it. You just kind of let it go and say, you know what, I'll get it on the next time. And and I think that he's learned to do that in such a way where it's just part of what he is and what he does. When the newsletter went out to our listeners announcing the Michael Price interview, Mm -hmm. I got a reply from a listener who I met in the legal industry, actually. He works in uh, legal marketing, Mm. but um, he's a longtime listener and Uh, just a really sweet guy too. But he replied and said that he actually knows Michael Price from many years ago when this listener, whose name will remain anonymous, owned a furniture store. So he made furniture Hmm. in Los Angeles and Michael Price and his wife were customers. And this uh, listener said that Michael and his wife were the sweetest people, the greatest customers. And like I said, you know, very humble and kind and the opposite of 
what you would think a Hollywood couple would be like. Right. And so uh, he said, well, maybe Mike remembers me. So I forwarded that message over to Michael in an email and he responded immediately and said, of course, I know him, you know, and gave his regards to this listener and his wife. Right on. And it was just a sweet exchange and, and it just shows what a small world we all live in, despite the fact that you and I are up here in the Pacific Northwest and Michael's all the way down in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. You know, these connections that are made through the podcast continue. It's a pretty special thing. It's actually, an, it's quite an amazing journey. So Jason, mm -hmm. I just finished this weekend a documentary by Peter Jackson, who directed the Lord of the Rings series, mm -hmm. and it's called Get Back. It's a Beatles documentary, and it was eight hours long in three separate episodes. Nice. I know you haven't seen this. I asked you whether you checked it out yet, uh, but I know you've seen clips. Oh, yeah. You got to see this thing, man. And it's a perfect complement to the Rick Rubin 321 Beatles documentary that came out last year. Right. With Paul McCartney. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've seen clips. I'm definitely going to watch it. It's just a matter of finding the time to kind of sit down and actually watch. Because I know that it's like in two hour increments with a total of eight hours. Yeah. It's like two and a half, three hour increments. Right. Which is, you know, because it's the Beatles, I wouldn't have a problem doing. I could sit and watch the Beatles sit around and eat all day. I mean, I'm that much of a fan. So to see them. That's what some of it is, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you're just watching them eat sandwiches. <laughs> well, it's, it's very interesting, you know, to kind of see just the process of writing and the way they collaborated together and just the overall patience that everybody seems to have. Because it seems to me, in a lot of it, that they're doing a lot of sitting around and just kind of throwing ideas at the at each other to see what sticks, you know. And the fact that they had somebody like Billy Preston in there, I think, really kind of glued it together in a different way. Because he's he's a very groovy keyboard player, and so that kind of changed the dynamic of their sound too, you know. And totally, when they were putting that together, they were also not only doing the Let It Be film or finishing up the Let It Be project, but they were writing songs for Abbey Road, which is my favorite Beatles album. And to see them come together, like uh, one of the scenes was Ringo came up to the piano and started playing what he had of Octopus's Garden, which is just, right. he just had like the first verse. Mm -hmm. And then George comes over with an acoustic guitar and says, what about this chord? <laughs> and they kind of go into this bridge and this chorus kind of develops out of it. And it's, it's amazing to see. It really is. I mean, I, I'm a true fan. And what's really weird about this documentary and also the Paul McCartney 321 documentary on Hulu is that I went into these not being a huge Beatles fan. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I don't think they're great musicians or great songwriters or iconic, important figures in history. Mm -hmm. I just never got into them, but these documentaries kind of drew me into their world and I became huge fans of the Beatles as a result of watching these documentaries. Yeah. The songwriting process really humanizes them and humanizes the, the creative process kind of like my podcast does. Mm -hmm. Not to say that our podcast is anything close to like a Beatles session or something like that, but <laughs> the whole concept of the podcast is to humanize and make accessible the creative process. Mm -hmm. And that's what this documentary does, this Get Back documentary with Peter Jackson, where you're in this room, the footage is all restored. And so it looks like you're just there with them on a high definition television screen. Yeah. And you're seeing them working out 
the lyrics just over and over and over again for all of these iconic songs and Get Back included. Right. Where Paul McCartney's just kind of throwing lyrics out there that may work or may not work. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing the response of George Harrison trying different riffs here and there and John Lennon kind of uh, bouncing ideas off of everybody. Right. That whole creative process and also Yoko Ono to see her kind of attached to John Lennon's hip the entire time. <laughs> yep. L they're literally sitting on his lap yep. during these sessions. It showed just how much of a presence she was during the last few years of the Beatles. Mm -hmm. But it also, as you suggested, it also shows that the Beatles, at least on camera, didn't make a big deal out of Yoko being there. Right. And so I don't know how much of a impediment she was to the creative process or how much conflict her presence created. But I do think that there's some misogyny built into that criticism of Yoko, because if you're criticizing Yoko for being there, you have to criticize John for mm -hmm. having that dynamic and being okay with that dynamic. So right. I really think it's a John Lennon issue, not a Yoko Ono issue, to be honest. But I don't even know if it's an issue at all looking at this footage. So when you check it out, we'll have to hop on the mic and, you know, get your take on the Beatles doc by Peter Jackson, because I found it to be fascinating. I was just riveted by every minute where even as they're just eating sandwiches <laughs> and they're getting ready to go back into their session again, you're looking at these folks and you're just realizing that there's all these ideas swimming around in their heads and that collectively, mm -hmm. by the end of this session, they're going to have songs for Let It Be, they're going to have songs for Abbey Road. Right. And these songs are going to be part of our musical consciousness forever, for the rest of our lives. Exactly. And not only that, uh, you get to see a little bit of George Harrison's work, which ended up later on All Things Must Pass. Right. So it's just all of these ideas coming out, whether they were accepted or rejected, you know, it was coming out of them fresh at that moment. And so it's, that's an amazing thing to see. And just from clips, what I've noticed, you know, over the years, a lot of people have really scrutinized Yoko Ono and blamed her for the Beatles breakup. And you kind of get the truth in some of this footage that I don't think that's the case at all. You know, um, she was there, definitely a presence there, but it, she wasn't pulling John out of it. And she wasn't, you know, saying, Hey, look, it's either me or them. This was more of a management issue. This was a, like a money issue. It was also probably time for them to just take a break. You know, I mean, it had been, mm -hmm. they'd been a band at that point, almost 10 years. And so I think it, you get to a point where it's like, okay, we've got all the stuff out that we can at the moment. And I think we could take a break now. And they just decided to make it very final and go their separate ways. Right. So it was great. It's great. If you watch the Beatles doc, pay attention to the moments where Yoko hops on the mic in between takes. <laughs> and... Oh. It is really something to behold. There are some moments where if you're going to blame Yoko for breaking up the band, uh, those are the moments that would do it right there. <laughs> well, I did see one where, where Paul's daughter, Heather, gets on the mic and kind of mimics what she's doing. Right. And that's funny. That's funny. It is. It's a, it's a great documentary. And talking about Billy Preston, you mentioned Billy. Mm -hmm. I don't want to you know, spoil anything in the documentary because it's great to just see it happen organically without any expectations. But when Billy Preston shows up, it is a complete transformation of the whole vibe of the band and the enthusiasm. Mm. 
And it's a really special moment in the film. And there's also another moment where George Harrison leaves. I don't think that's really a spoiler. That's kind of lore at this point. Yeah. Uh, but George Harrison just gets up. I think it's during the first episode. And he's like, I think I'm done now. I think I'm leaving the band. Yep. And they're like, what? What do you mean? You're going to get lunch? No, I'm leaving. I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> like, he's just gone. Right. And the, the drama that creates and uh, the conflict that you need in a documentary to keep it interesting, it was almost as if they had scripted it, but it wasn't, obviously. It was no. part of their trajectory as a band, and there's so much going on. I heard an interview with Peter Jackson about that moment in the documentary, and he actually thinks that George was going through some domestic strife with his girlfriend at the time, girlfriend or wife, mm -hmm. and had quit because of that and not because of anything that was happening in the band. Although you do see some consternation and some conflict going on in the band between uh, McCartney trying to herd cats, basically, mm -hmm. and keep everybody focused, including George. Right. And then the frustration that George had when he would pitch his songs. And they seem to all have an immense amount of respect for each other. Oh, yeah. And would try their best to make everybody's song work that was brought to the table. Yeah. But I think George Harrison had some insecurity with his own songs. Well, I think uh, if, if you're going to talk about the domestic stuff, at that time he was with Patty Boyd, and I think she was also seeing Eric Clapton at the same time. So I'm not 100% sure on the time frame there, but eventually Eric Clapton ended up with her, and she ended up with him. So Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And so... It's pretty amazing if you even look back at that era, how those guys even stayed friends. Because, you know, you, I mean, Eric Clapton's cool. You know, he's, he's got his own thing going on back then, coming out of Cream and into Blind Faith. And then to steal one of the Beatles' girlfriends. <laughs> wow. That's quite a coup. Talk about some balls. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. They were talking about bringing Clapton in when George left. Hmm. Yeah, that was part of the discussion. Yeah, they were all pretty good friends, yeah. Well, Jason, uh, we have some things coming up next to talk about. Sundance Film Festival is next week. All right. And you and I are working on booking some interviews for that. We don't have anything locked in quite yet. Right. But I do have my press credentials and my tickets picked out, which begin on Thursday of this week. That's tomorrow. Right on. Also, the entire week following through the weekend and beyond, uh, I have tickets for like, I think 25 different films. Wow. And I, I don't think I'm going to be able to see even a fraction of those, but um, I'm going to do my best and try to talk to some filmmakers and launch those episodes sometime in February. That sounds good. I can't wait to hear those. Yeah. We're trying to talk to a screenwriter on a film called Watcher. His name is Zach Ford. Mm. We're trying to get that one booked. It's not locked in yet. I also have some pitches from a few short film directors to interview the folks involved in those projects. And I need to get my own pitches out to all of the publicists this week. And so we'll see how it all shakes out. Sounds good, brother. And finally, Jason, we have this long-awaited interview that was recorded late last year, but we had to wait to launch it until next week. And that is the interview with Ken Kinnear. Yeah. So uh, we can expect that, I think, on the 25th or 26th. Yep. And I'm really looking forward to hearing feedback on that episode because it was one of my favorite chats from 2021. I just couldn't launch it 
then due to some publicity issues Mm -hmm. that coincide with Ken Kinnear's own publicity for his book coming up. Right. Yeah, it's a really good interview, and so I'm glad that we're finally able to get it out. Right on, Jason. Well, it's good catching up with you on the mic, my friend. As always, it's good catching up with you, Brian. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, I have a favor to ask. Can you go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave me a review? Your feedback is what keeps this podcast going. You can also check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with the handle at DreamPathPod. And as always, go find your dream path.